2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, Paul writing to this young pastor, Timothy, he said, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. He's talking about where he is in his life, where he is in his ministry, and what you can see here is that Paul is in that winter season coming to the end of his time here on earth, wrapping things up, and he called it his departure. He didn't say my death, he said my departure, because that's what death is. Births are arrivals into this earth, deaths are just simply departures. And you depart one place, but you do it so that you can do what? Arrive somewhere else. And this is what we need to bear in mind about our life on this earth. Number one, we need to keep in mind how short it really is. And number two, we need to remember that this is not all there is. And when it comes time to leave this place, it's not the end. It's not the, the, the finish of our lives. In many ways, it's just the beginning. We're departing one place and arriving to another. And he said, the time of my departure is at hand. But look at verse 7. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Man, I like that. Listen to it again. What did he say? I have fought the good fight. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. If there is anything that you want to be able to say on your last day here and your first day there, in the presence of God to spend it with him in eternity, it's this right here. This is what you want to be able to say. You want to be able to echo these same words, I have fought the good fight. You want to practice it right now? Let's say it together. I have fought the good fight. What else did he say? I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. That's what you want to say. That really is what you want to be the summation of your time on this earth. Having fought the good fight, having finished the race, having kept the faith. Now, if we're honest, though, and if people in general would be honest, they wouldn't be able, many people would not be able to say that. Honestly, standing in the presence of God on, on day one in eternity, if, if many, many people were honest, they'd probably have to say, I fought poorly. And what Paul was saying when, when he said, I fought the good fight, he really was just saying, I fought and I was good at it. Study the scripture for yourself, and that's actually what he's talking about. He's saying, he's saying I, was, I fought, but I didn't just fight. I was good at it, man. Paul talked about it in other places where he said, I fight not like someone who beats the air. I'm a little bit ashamed to say that's probably, if, if I were to ever get in a fight, it might look more like <laughs> I've never actually been in one. I got hit one time as a, as a young teenager, uh, but I didn't fight back, so I don't think it counts as being in a fight. <laughs> but many people are, number one, they don't even realize they're in a fight in this life. And sad to say, those who are in a fight or realize it, there's no technique to it. And when he wrote in 1 Timothy, he talked about fighting the good fight of faith. And you study some of these other translations, and it really brings out what he's saying there. He says, he says, be constantly engaged 
in the contest of faith, which contest is marked, I love this, by the beauty of its technique. He's saying fight, but don't just swing your arms. Don't just swing and hope something hits. Man, the fight of faith, it is a fight, but it's supposed to be marked by the beauty of its technique. I don't know if you've ever watched a professional boxer. Sometimes I get on these, these rabbit trails, uh, down the rabbit hole, as they say, watching YouTube videos. And I got on some Muhammad Ali videos a while back and some Mike Tyson videos a while back. Hey, a guy can dream, right? And you watch these guys and the way they fight. And yes, there's power and, of course, there's strength. But as much as anything, it's, it's grace. It's like a dance the way they do it. And Paul, writing to Timothy, said, the fight of your faith should be beautiful. It should be a fight that's marked by the beauty of its technique. And he's saying, oh, I'm, I'm here at the end of my life, and I fought, and I fought well. I fought good. But many people wouldn't be able to say that. You want to be able to say that. Not only did he say, I fought and fought good, he said, I have finished the race. If many people were honest, they wouldn't be able to say, I finished the race. They'd have to say, well, I quit early. I quit somewhere along the way. You don't want to have to say that. You want to be able to say, I fought the good fight and I finished the race. And then he summed it all up with this, I kept my faith. And of course, there are many people who would have to stand in the presence of God one day. And if they're honest, they'll say, I didn't fight well. I quit early and I lost my faith somewhere along the way. Not us, right? Amen. Come on, church, not us. Amen? Amen. We want to say these, these same words. Day one of eternity, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Amen? Amen. And we're in an interesting season right now. I think we're in an interesting time in the grand scheme of things, in the overall plan of God. But just, you know, at a surface glance, where are we on the calendar? We are in the, the last few days and weeks of this year. And this year has gone by fast. Seems like time's just speeding up, going faster and faster and faster. And it's a, it's a time of year, and just I'll tell you for me personally, it's always been a time of year that I've loved. Coming into this fall season, especially if you're a born and raised Texan, you love you some fall. Now, it takes till about mid-December to show up sometimes, but right about October, November, you are saying, Lord, enough with the 100 degree days. I want to walk outside and not sweat instantly. I don't want to feel like there's a hairdryer blowing in my face all day. And so in Texas, man, that first 65-degree day, oh, there's rejoicing in the streets. And how much more, though, now in this beautiful place where the Lord has brought us to his country. I mean, we, we love it up here. We love this time. We love walking out, and that, that cool, crisp air just hits your lungs, and it's revitalizing, and it feels so good. This time of year, I love it so much, but I will say this for me, and this is just me personally. Throughout ministry, this, the ministry that Sarah and I have been in for, what is it, 12, almost 13 years now together, we spent the first 10 plus years of that traveling. 
going places all across the United States, places around the world, in and out of other countries, and just going and going and going and preaching in this place and preaching in that place, loving it. But I noticed this a few years into ministry that right about this time of year, I get tired. I start feeling the last 10 or 11 months. You know what I mean? It just starts... It starts sitting in. It's like, wow, we have been some places. We have done some stuff. And I don't know if you're like that or not. But I have, I have experienced that before where I come into this season that we're in right now and just physically speaking, physically, mentally, just start feeling that slow down a little bit and start feeling tired. And uh, we are at a time where we're about to end one year and start a new one. But... I have it in my heart, and I want to see if you want to join me in this today. I'm not going to go limping into next year. Anybody else? I'm not going to go, as we say around our house, dragging our wagon. We say that expression quite a bit. We say that to the kids. Come on, guys, speed up. You're dragging your wagon. I'm not going to be dragging my wagon. I know you might be feeling the last 10 months or so. And perhaps you're experiencing some of the same stuff I have, feeling a little bit sleepy as we come into this part of the year. But I have it in my heart that I know I'm personally, for our family and for this family, we are going to go running. We are going to go running with momentum into the next year. Amen? Now, finishing, finishing anything is a good thing. And like I've already said, there are many people who are quitting early. They are bailing on relationships. They're bailing on jobs. They're bailing on careers. They're bailing on churches. They are quitting early. And I believe what honors God as much or more than anything in our lives is not just starting something, but seeing it all the way through to the finish. This is God honoring right here. What I've begun to realize the, the older I get is anybody can start something. Anybody can start anything. It's not the starting of something that gives God the most glory. It's you refusing to quit along the way. It's you refusing to draw back, shrink back, run away in fear. It's you refusing to give up but sticking with it, staying with it all the way through to the finish. To the finish. This is what honors God. But there's something else I believe that honors him, and it's not just finishing, it's the condition in which we finish. Are you with me this morning, church? It's the condition in which we finish. And I don't believe Paul was saying, I finished the race, you know, barely. I don't think he went limping across that finish line. Man, I think he hit that tape with joy. I know he did. He talked about it. I'm going to finish my race with joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. So I want us to begin today looking forward over the next few days and weeks that are ahead of us as we step over the threshold from one year to another. I want us to be like those Olympic runners. Have you ever seen them run the track? Have you noticed they don't slow down until after they've crossed the line? You don't start slowing down before you hit that line. You keep up that speed. You keep up that momentum. And I believe the Lord has some things to say to us that would enable us to finish this year with joy and finish this year strong. Say amen if you believe it. 
First Peter chapter 5, verse 10, is the, the scripture we began this year with. And in one way or another, we have looked at this verse and squeezed it like a sponge, endeavoring to get everything out of it that we possibly could. All year long, the Lord's been speaking to us about this. It says in 1 Peter 5.10, May the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, now we, we spent several weeks talking about that, getting a better understanding of what true biblical suffering actually is and, and not letting somebody else's definition of it uh, influence us. We have to have our minds renewed to the word of God. What is suffering according to the will of God? Well, I won't take time to re-preach that whole thing, but if you just look at this book of 1 Peter alone, it makes very clear what it is. There is a suffering of persecution. Jesus said it was coming. Jesus said it would happen. There is a suffering of submission. We talked about that quite a bit. And of all the wonderful things that Jesus has done to redeem us from the curse of the law, there are some things that that he did not redeem us from. You're not redeemed from persecution. You are not redeemed from submission. Submission is just the suffering of not getting your own way. Jesus showed us how to do that when he said, not my will, God, but yours be done. And there's a suffering that you and I must endure as believers. It's the suffering of submission. One amen. Okay, well. But... Connected to that, we also talked about the suffering of resistance. And you see that even in the verses leading up to what we read here in 1 Peter 5.10. Talking about resisting the devil. What did James chapter 4 say? Submit to God, resist the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil. Let me say it one more time. Submit to God, resist the devil. Why are we saying it over and over? Because so many people are living with that exactly flip-flopped. They are resisting what they should be submitting to and submitting to what they should be resisting. And you and I have got to find out in this life, what should I be yielded to and what should I be resisting? If it's God, if it's word, I'm submitting to it. I'm bringing myself under my will, under his will, my way under his way. But if it's something that's from the enemy in the pit of hell, I'm not putting up with that. I'm not yielding and submitting to that. I'm going to resist it in Jesus' name. And what do the scriptures say? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So these are some of the sufferings that he's talking about here. And if you are willing to endure through that and not quit in the middle of it, then look at what's going to happen to you. This God of all grace is going to work in you and he will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Say them with me. Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. How you doing, church? Better than, I heard it, I heard it now. We hadn't, I hadn't asked you in a little while and so you might be out of practice a little bit. But the answer to the question, how you doing, is what? Better than ever. Better than ever. Now that's what we started this year with. You didn't lose it along the way, did you? No, better than ever. When the God of all grace has gone to work in us, perfecting, establishing, strengthening, and settling us, we are better than we've ever been. Now you can say it, even if you don't feel it, even when you don't see it, that's when you need to be saying it the most. Amen? 
perfected, established, strengthened, and settled. We spent quite a few weeks talking about what it means to be perfected and completed. We went on to talk about what it means to be established. I want to touch on today a little bit about what it means to be strengthened. We're talking about finishing strong. Now, the Amplified version of this verse says it like this. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you to his own eternal glory in Christ, will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Notice this. Making you what you ought to be. Making you what you ought to be. So perfected, established, strengthened, and settled in the eyes of God is what you ought to be. I said it's what you ought to be. You and I ought to be complete. We ought to be established. And we ought to be strengthened. Which means we ought not be weak. We shouldn't be living this life weary, tired, worn out, worn down, beat up, and fatigued all the time. Now listen, I understand we've got these bodies and we're thankful for them, but has anybody figured out yet? They have some pretty serious limitations. A few of you have, the rest of you are superhuman, no? Have you not yet figured out that this body, as what a wonderful gift from God it is. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. We ought to be thankful for it. But, you know, while we're here on this earth, it has some pretty serious limitations. It is pretty seriously limited to what it can do, how long it can do it, how much it can do. And that's just part of living in this life. Now, the scripture tells us that we've got these other bodies coming. Have you ever read where the Bible talks about how the mortal will put on immortality? Anybody else looking forward to that? And we think immortality, and that just sort of to us means, you know, well, live forever, won't die. It's not just the length of life, it's quality. Where there's no death at all working in the body. There's no weakness in the body. It's not susceptible to all the things that it's been susceptible to your whole life here on this earth. This mortal, this mortal, that mortal, these mortals are about to put on immortality. And the stuff that used to wear you out ain't even going to phase you anymore. The stuff that used to beat you down, not even going to phase you anymore. Why? Because you put on immortality. You're putting on that glorified body, and it will be a part of the body of Christ. Praise God. I said praise God. Here's the thing. We're not there yet. As much as we'd like to be, and as often as we pretend we already are, we're not there yet. We're still dealing with some limitations in the body. But here's some good news. At least I see it as good news. Jesus dealt with this. Listen to this from the book of John, chapter 4. You remember the account of Jesus speaking with the woman at the well. But there's some details in there that often get overlooked, and we, we tend to focus on their conversation and what happened, and it's an amazing conversation. 
uh, for sure. I mean, Jesus is speaking to her, and it just starts with, hey, can I have a drink? And she gets into conversation with him. Why are you asking a drink of me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We're not supposed to be talking to each other. One thing leads to another. They get into a religious doctrinal debate about worship and where worship's supposed to take place and how worship is supposed to take place. And Jesus sort of takes the conversation in a different direction when he says, go call your husband and tell him to come here. And she said, I don't have one. And here comes this word of knowledge where he says to her, you're right. You don't have one. You've had five. And the man you're with now is not your husband. And she said to him, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> really, you picked up on that? Wow, wow. And that's when they get into this whole religious debate. Well, the, the end of it, you know, this, this Jesus tells her that he's the Messiah, the one she claims she's looking for, and she runs back to town, and she brings everybody to town, and come see a man who told me everything I'd ever done. It's an amazing story. But there's some interesting details in the setup of the whole thing that sometimes get overlooked. And it's in John chapter 4. Uh, Look at verse 1, I believe. I'll just read several verses down into this. Thank you, Lord. Well, you can start at verse 3. It says, Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Listen to this, verse 6. Jesus, who are we talking about? Come on, church, who are we talking about? Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey. Jesus, who are we talking about? Jesus. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. This is, this is how and why he's there in the first place. He and his disciples were on a walk, a long walk, from Judea, and they were headed to Galilee, and they're coming through Samaria. And uh, Jesus evidently got so tired from the journey that he, Jesus, had to sit down at the well. And if you read the rest of this, he sent the disciples away into the city to buy food. I don't know why this blesses me. <laughs> I mean, think about you. What happens when you go for a really long walk and you haven't eaten in a long time? Huh? You get tired. Are you with me this morning? Come on, listen to me. You get tired. I get tired. Why? These bodies have some pretty serious limitations. And sometimes we try to push them beyond their limitations. And it's not wise. These bodies need certain things to be sustained. Here's a big revelation. You ready for it? You need sleep. You need sleep. And I mean good sleep. And I mean several hours of sleep. You need that. Your body needs that. Here's another big one. You need food. You got to eat sometimes. You got to eat some good stuff. You got to put some fuel in the tank. Excuse me while I preach to myself here just for a minute. Because I got to hear this too, church. I got to hear this. My wife knows this. Jeremy, you need to eat sometimes, brother. Put some food in your belly. 
go to bed on time. These bodies have some limitations. But even God in the flesh had to sit down. Jesus himself got wearied from the journey. And he had to send the disciples away into the city to buy food. That says to me, he's like, guys, I can't go another step. I can't go any further. You're going to have to go. You're going to have to get food. You're going to have to bring it back. We'll eat something, and then we can go on from there. But you're going to have to go. I, I got to sit here for a while. Jesus himself had to sit by the well. Now, like I said, some amazing things unfolded the whole time he was there. And then by the time the disciples got back, they came to him and said, they brought the food and said, Rabbi, you need to eat. And he said to them, uh, down around, let's see, what verse is this? John chapter 4, down verse 31. It says, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And therefore the disciples said to one another, did somebody bring him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Are you looking at this? And what else? To finish his work. Jesus was so tired that he couldn't go on another step. So worn out from the journey, he couldn't, he couldn't keep going to the restaurant. He had to get the guys to go get some takeout. But yet when they came back, they're looking at him going, did somebody feed him? Evidently, there's a difference in him. Can you see this? Evidently, he's, he's got some more energy. Evidently, he's got some more pep, some more zip, some more zap. He's got some, some excitement about him. And somebody's going, did, did you feed him? Who fed him? Who brought him something to eat? And he said, I got food you don't even know about. And what was that food? My food, he said, is to do the will. Are you listening, church? It's to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith. <laughs>